I'm Dave Brisky. Welcome to the seventh segment, or seventh episode, of Brisky Business. Thanks once again for making me part of your day. As you all know, the goal of the platform is to offer you strategies to help you accelerate your business. Uh, and I look forward to bringing this platform to you every Wednesday. Any questions that might crop up? Write me at briskybusiness at ntvusa.com. We've been getting a number of questions from you, and this is your program. And so weaving uh, what's on your mind into the program is uh, something that's really important to me. This week, we're going to focus very, very hard on leadership. It's a topic that's really been brought up in a big way, and uh, a number of you that have reached out asked about leadership and how to develop certain leadership. Um, and you know, it's defined a lot of different ways. If you look at uh, Wikipedia, leadership approach, it talks about a person's influence on other persons uh, and a shared direction towards a common goal. If you look at uh, Merriam-Webster's, it defines leadership as the office or position of a leader, the capacity to lead, the act or instance of leading. And according to Dwight Eisenhower back in 1958, he said that leadership is the art of getting someone else to do something you want done because he wants to do it. You know, I went to Fordham University and I like to talk about that and I'm very proud of my roots there. Met a ton of great friends there and learned an awful lot. It's a very interesting institution in terms of the leadership that has come out of that great university. Uh, it's in every field it encompasses. We've got in the acting field, which might be shocking to some of you given the, uh, the type of business school that Fordham is, uh, but it also had a wide range of liberal arts programs and Alan Alda from MASH graduated from there and Denzel Washington, Susan Lucci, uh, and then from the political arena, uh, G. Gordon Liddy. And I actually uh, spent some time with G. Gordon Liddy and his son, who was attending Fordham back when I was attending Fordham. And man, the education you get in between the classes at a fine university is really, really powerful to spend time with those types of leaders and the commitment and the heart they had to leadership. Uh, Donald Trump also went to Fordham and the very, very famous Vin Scully, the sports announcer, uh, and Attorney General John Mitchell as well. And I could keep going on and on about the esteemed graduates of Fordham University and maybe even one on a trivia question. I actually saw him this week or this year uh, in Las Vegas for my mom's 80th birthday celebration, that being David Copperfield. Yes, that, uh, that magician that happens to own an island now in the Bahamas for all of his success. So all of these leaders do it in a different way. Uh, but for me, perhaps the three greatest leaders I know or have extensively studied uh, are also Fordham alumni. And I speak of the one that I think is the great greatest leader to come out of Fordham. Uh, he titled uh, Titletown USA, uh, a true man of steel, a man of granite. Uh, and that is Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi was the head football coach of the Green Bay Packers. 
What a phenomenal leader Mr. Lombardi was on the football field and more importantly off the field. He definitely had some innovative leadership ideas and I love to remember several of his quotes. One of his quotes, and I love this, we didn't lose the game, we ran out of time. Now there's a great definition of someone who has no quit. Uh, this quote, practice doesn't make perfect, only perfect practice makes perfect. I find that interesting that that's a uh, Vince Lombardi uh, quote because my wife is a concert pianist and she taught a number of students that went on to scholarship in piano and I heard her say that all the time. To me this is where leadership really is born. When people are using your quotes they have such an influence and the quotes have such a broad appeal that they can cover you on the football field or even you as you uh, Look to be a concert pianist. Isn't that a broad, broad range of uh, acceptability or leadership in the way you do things? And my favorite Vince Lombardi quote of all, perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. And that is a fantastic quote. And I think many of you have heard quotes like this. I've even used them uh, in my own way. And I probably was a derivative of the Lombardi quote when I uh, was trying to coach up my teams, which is aim for the stars. And if you end up in the clouds, it's still a huge victory. So all of those types of quotes, I believe, came and stemmed from that Vince Lombardi quote about uh, excellence. So the Fordham story about, uh, uh, for me, when I first really started to learn about Brent, uh, Vince Lombardi was when I went to uh, the gym, if you will, at Fordham University, which was named after Lombardi himself. And this was an amazing, amazing gym. Uh, it would almost be wrong to call it a gym. It had had multiple basketball courts. It had every, uh, had tennis. It had racquetball. It had weightlifting. It had all types of activities. And all around it was Lombardiisms, Lombardi quotes about excellence. And you knew right away when you were attending Fordham University that you were attending a place where there was incredible and great leadership. Uh, you know, in that arena is probably when I first understood work hard and play hard. And that's certainly uh, an important quote to me today. You know, Lombardi believed that leadership rests only on the outstanding, but not only on outstanding ability, but on these attributes, commitment, loyalty, pride, and followers, love this part, followers ready to accept guidance. That's the really real first step of leadership. The one that I think most people miss. You know, you have to learn first. You become a new manager and you walk into a company and you just can't go in and run the show. You have to sit there and learn. You have to soak it in. You have to become that follower, that follower that is looking for excellence, looking to learn, looking to not be arrogant, but to learn all the way from top to bottom. You know, Lombardi's career, it's really interesting. He started off as a high school teacher in physics, chemistry, and Latin, of all things. In addition to coaching football, basketball, um, his son, Vince Jr., wrote the book. So this isn't one of those stories where Vince Lombardi wrote books on leadership. He never really did. But his son wrote a book called Lombardi Rules, and Vince soon found his true calling was really extorting others to greatness on the football field. And that's what he's known for. 
But as the head coach of the Packers from 1959 to 1967, Vince Lombardi took a ragtag group of players that had floundered at the very bottom of the NFL and in only two seasons molded them into a championship team. Three NFL championships as well as the first two Super Bowl ever in Green Bay, Wisconsin. But what does winning at football have to do with business or closing a deal? And that is one word, leadership. His ability to motivate players and inspire them to surpass their own perceived physical and mental capabilities was astounding. His model, it all started with a simple premise. Only by knowing yourself can you become an effective leader. And I found that to be true in my own life. Um, his son once wrote, once you understand yourself, you can start to grow and write your character. Remember my first brisk bit? If you can't write it down, it can't be done. You need to know who that character is, and you need to write that character for yourself. And it's inside you. And so obviously that applies way down deep, like deep into our DNA. We have to prime that pump and that mind to discover our true character. And it's building those crucial attributes where the leadership formula really exists, character and integrity. That's the formula. Self-knowledge leads to character and integrity leads to leadership. So let's break down the quote of Lombardi that mentions the talent and hard work and even intelligence is not enough. In order to become a strong leader, you must first be a follower who is ready to accept guidance. Let's take that one step further and make this a brisk bit. Be a follower that is hungry for guidance and knowledge and then become the leader. You know, it's not enough to be young, scrappy, and hungry like in the Hamilton play. Uh, in business, you have to thirst for mentorship and guidance and be earnest as a purist. Really search it out. Search for the mentorship. A young manager today that joins a team immediately wants to change the way things are done, all puffed up with arrogance because you don't even have the respect, possibly, to assume uh, that the people before you built this organization. So it's time for you, instead of punching holes in things, to become a leader, to learn things from the ground up. A person who's grounded in truth doesn't have to look very far to find the right thing to do. Because when you're guided by truth, for the same person in private as you are in public, that's when you know where a true leader is. And it's easy to be that leader at that point. I was fortunate enough to hear Norman Schwarzkopf do a conversation. Uh, and he had a quote that has stuck with me really my whole life. And this quote was, the truth of the matter is that you always know the right thing to do. And the hard part is doing it. I think that's true. We do know the right thing. And he ended his talk by saying, do the right thing. You know what it is. Just do it. This segment of the program is called Risks Buy or Bail. And we named it that because it's really about the decision-making process, if you will. And in Brisk Buyer Bail, we go through the evaluation of a decision, and uh, obviously if we bail on something, that means we don't go through with it, or we pass on it, and uh, if we buy it, then we're committed and we're doing it and we're, we're making a move. And a few episodes ago, I think it actually might have been last episode, I had Drew Pearson, uh, NFL great, cowboy great, on the phone with me as a guest. 
And uh, we spoke for the entire hour, and it was great to catch up with Drew because him and I uh, built a really nice business together. I ultimately became the CEO of the company that bears his name, uh, Drew Pearson Marketing. And it was really one of the biggest buys in my lifetime. Uh, it was a buyer bail decision, and it was at a really interesting time. And I want to take you back there with me because I think it's an interesting story. So we're going to head back to the 1980s, promising young man. Here I am in my mid-20s. Really uh, thought I had the, uh, the world at my uh, fingertips. And I was in the real estate business at this point in my career. And I found it peculiar in the real estate business that all of those that were in the business were waiting around to see if their deal would fund. In other words, they'd have a deal on the title company. They'd maybe have sold a piece of land to someone or a shopping center or an industrial property, whatever it was. And they would be waiting for something to happen. And it was always subject to financing. Not that different, really, than it is today. Uh, if you think about when you buy a home, it's always subject to financing. So this is how it was in the commercial real estate business. And uh, waiting around for, for a deal to happen based on someone else's activity, I thought, this is peculiar, so why can't I arrange the financing after I put the deal together? Now, I was a marketing and finance major at Fordham, which I learned not till I was in my 40s that that's pretty unusual, but I had an aptitude for finance, and I really started doing my studies, and I started to finance my own deals. So when people asked how my real estate deals were progressing, I knew exactly how they were doing because I was also arranging the financing as well. It was a pretty cool business model. You'd make the commission on the sale of the real estate deal, and you'd also get paid by the lender for providing the financing. So you were basically making two commissions. And I got pretty good at finance and financing my own deals. And when it's your deal you're trying to finance and you're going to get paid to do it, it's amazing how creative you can get, and it's amazing how you can broaden your reach at various types of financing. And it went very, very well for me. Well, guess what happened back in the late 80s? My whole world came crashing down. I think it's an appropriate story given what's going on today out in our world with this coronavirus. The banking industry that was providing all of the financing literally shriveled up after the price of oil crashed in Texas in particular, and the entire oil business went down with the real estate business and essentially plummeted. Uh, my market, in the Texas area, the epicenter was ground zero for the savings and loan collapse. By 1988, I met Drew. At that point in time, 175 banks had failed. That's about 25% of all state assets. Every single Texas savings and loan went under. The FDIC had, quote, Black Tuesdays. These, these were unbelievable trying times. Uh, the banks filled up with real estate property. The industry that I was in almost didn't exist anymore. Uh, the, those that were really doing well, the people that I were working with were basically now selling shoes, shining shoes, doing anything they could to make a buck. Really not that different than it is today. Uh, this was about the time I was introduced to Drew Pearson. And interestingly, it was a common attorney that introduced us. And this is when I had to make a shift. Should I shift out of the real estate business into this business opportunity? It turns out that Drew Pearson was needing money. And this was a market where there wasn't the possibility to gain money, so we would have to get creative. But I started to feel tired 
of being as good as my last deal. That to me represented the real estate business. You were as good as your last deal. Uh, there was not a whole lot of loyalty in that sector. And with financing dried up, this was really gonna be an interesting opportunity. So I met Drew and we chatted and I met a couple of his partners and they were in the licensed products business. I didn't know a whole lot about licensed products, but I did know a whole lot about finance and how to run a business. So I cut a deal with them. And you, know, you talk about a, a sink or swim, you talk about a buy or bail. My deal, I wanted a piece of this company. I was to the point in my career, I owned that real estate company at this point, that I really didn't want to be with a company that I wasn't an equal partner. So I decided to, in the craziest finance market that existed, in the craziest time where no one could borrow money, I decided to cut a deal for equity with Drew Pearson to be an equal partner with him and his crew and build this licensed business. And the deal I cut was they didn't have to pay me until I got them out of a financial situation that they were in. Now let me tell you something. I was 28, that was a pretty confident or maybe some would say cocky thing to do, but I thought I could do it. And this is when uh, one of the segments I've talked about when you're raising money or how much capital you think you need or how long you think you're gonna take, multiply it by three. Well, I hadn't taken that brisky business course at that point in time. And I was sure that in three months, I could resolve the challenges that Drew Pearson Marketing was facing. And that equal ownership I negotiated was gonna be an unbelievable windfall and things were just gonna be great. Well, three months turned into six months and six months turned into a year and ultimately to 18 months. It's a long time for a 28-year-old to go without a salary. Boy, I was thinking about maybe bail was the right idea on that decision. I've also had people say, geez, that's incredible perseverance. You'll hear that about leadership, perseverance. Well, I like to equate the perseverance in this decision like setting off to swim the English Channel. Let's just say you leave the shore and you're swimming. And one thing you start to figure out and know is that you are way too tired, way too tired to go back to the shore you left. So your best approach is just to keep swimming and hope you're gonna hit the shore on the other side. And that was my experience at Drew Pearson Marketing. 18 months later, my hand touched the shore. 18 months later, the financial problems were resolved. Way longer than I thought it would be. But you know what? That decision shaped who I was as a person, developed me into a leader uh, like you can't even describe, that no quit that we heard about when we spoke about Vince Lombardi. These are the decisions that you have to make in these types of times, and you damn sure need to make sure you don't have any quit. From that standpoint, when we finally touched the shore, we got to go to work. And two years after touching the shore, we were one of Dallas's fastest growing companies one of Texas's fastest growing companies. Four years after that, raising capital was easy. We had banks lining up. We started to take off. And before you know it, we ended up with an 18-year career that Drew and I discussed. From four people in a struggling time and an economy that was a disaster, banks that didn't exist, SNLs that went out of business, money that couldn't be found, we had to get creative. And we got creative. We got real creative with our partnerships. And we had a no-quit attitude. 
And before you know it, the light started shining on all of us, and it ended up being the greatest decision I had ever made. I believe buyer bail decisions are critical and really going to be critical in these trying times. Do your assessment. Once you make a decision to go, you go with everything you got, and you make sure your hand ultimately touches the shore. Because when it does, that gratifying gratification, oh my God, there's nothing like it. And then you get to take off in your business and do the great things that you always admired. The thing about business is there's left turns and right turns and there's mountains you have to climb. Uh, and it's not always the way you script it. There'll be decisions you have to make. Some you'll get right, some you'll get wrong. But if you make the decision to stay committed, Stay committed to the cause. Stay true to yourself. Know what you want. Know it's in you to be successful. Understand the people that are around you that depend on your hard work and success. You can ultimately come out a winner, even when you think you're on a path that is the wrong path. Stay with it. Take a left. Take a right. But keep moving forward along the way. And you'll have a story like the story of Drew Pearson Marketing. A company with four people, just four people alone. Our first hire was Drew's sister. And ultimately, we had 16 offices in Europe. We ultimately built the first westernized factory in Shenzhen, China. We ultimately had 4,000 employees. And our 10-year anniversary, we all got to speak in front of that team, that team that we built, that team from five people to 4,000 that team now that depended on us and our success, that team whose fiber, that team whose culture was built on people that did not quit, that strive for excellence. This is what's there for you when you make a decision to be great. This is what's there for all of us if we have a no-quit attitude. And we're going to end this segment right now because I can't think of a better way to end it than being on top. Uh, and I believe all of you are going to be on top during these times. So this concludes our segment, and we will be right back with Brisk Bulls and Bears, the public markets segment of our program on Brisky Business.